When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It is Super Bowl week after a 17-game season, after some of the most bananas playoff games, and after a Pro Bowl weekend that none of us watched. We're finally here, ready to talk about the final NFL game of the season, the Super Bowl, Rams, Bengals, on pod like a raven. Yes, it is Super Bowl week. We have much to talk about. Some Ravens news to sprinkle in there, but the majority of this episode is going to be talking about the game, as well as some very fun prop bets that all three of us have done deep research to, to give you only, only guaranteed winners, even if they contradict themselves uh, between the three of us. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts this Monday evening, starting with Tim Horsey. Tim, how are you? I'm good, man. I mean, it. I don't know if the Super Bowl excitement hasn't necessarily hit me yet because it's a Monday, because, you know, work and life has just gotten in the way, or because the Bengals are playing. But I, I, I don't really feel it quite, quite yet. I'm sure as we get talking about it, I'll get more excited. And obviously, as we get later in the week, it's the final football game of the year, which is exciting and sad at the same time. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Yeah, we do these episodes you know five six days before the sundays and this is a this is a moment where we could have maybe done this closer to the day and had those juices flowing because uh, i agree the, the cincinnati angle of this doesn't really uh doesn't really get me going but we will uh we will get the listener in the mood with this episode uh, on the west coast jace evans jace you're in la so maybe you don't need any juices maybe you're tired of juices too many people already uh, in your face and in your way not knowing uh where the heck to go or how to get anywhere yeah it, it, it is weird antonio uh uh for those who don't know the olympics are going on right now so that's uh what's taken up most of my uh time at my day job or i should say my night job since i've been working overnights here uh the last few days so i have no clue what day it is really i'm all thrown off i like barely remembered we were going to record today so uh yeah so i'm kind of in agreement uh that the super bowl it's weird that it it seems like an nbc decision because they have the super bowl the olympics and the super bowl are going on at the same time they have never overlapped like this before uh 
I will guess they probably won't again unless NBC also has the Super Bowl, but we shall see. Yeah, but it's been it's definitely been busy. Um, and uh, but I'm very excited for the show because just looking at these props made me so excited for for, uh, for one more NFL game. And uh, yeah, and then uh, and then the real fun for the, at least Ravens fans begins with the off season in full. So uh, yeah, so I'm excited. Uh, but as Tim said, it's always is sad when the NFL, a new an NFL season comes to end. It'll be really sad if it ends with the Bengals winning the Lombardi Trophy. So let's uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. I was reviewing uh, these prop bets with the guys before we started recording and mentioned that for the first uh, hour, let's say, I didn't like any of them, and I had doubts about every decision. And then by the end of uh, my prep time, I liked every single prop bet that was on the board, and so I had to then wind down and only pick a couple of those. We will get into that uh, in a few minutes, but first going to go over a few uh, news and notes coming out of Baltimore. Um and the first one is that GM Eric DaCosta had his end-of-season press conference a few days ago. Said a couple of things that we think are, are worth discussing here. Uh, I'll, I'll let the guys sort of give their uh, analysis. But the first one being that after much sort of talk and, and whispers about Marcus Peters potentially not being a Raven next season due to his injury and the cap situation with the team... DaCosta specifically mentioned that he expected Marcus Peters to remain a Raven for next season. That's very exciting uh, for, I think, for all of us. So we, we want him in the building, even though it's an expensive price at this point to keep him. Um, and then DaCosta also stressing the importance of getting offensive line help and the importance of not getting Antonio Brown help uh, for this Ravens team. So I turn to you guys. What did you like, dislike, uh, fears of, of what DaCosta mentioned in this uh, end-of-season presser? Um, I I think a lot of it can be football speak. I mean, we joke about Harbaugh always being the, you know, football cliche incarnate, basically. I think DaCosta, for what he does, and maybe this is all planned and it makes it sound like more of an open guy than he actually is, but I do kind of like the openness of this presser that he seems to have every year. It's not... Belichickian. It's not, you'll know when you see it type of thing. He was very open and honest about them screwing up the Ronnie Stanley stuff. They, He said, we brought him back too early, and a lot of that was on me. We all thought he was good to go. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Antonio, the, the two offensive linemen, I think, were the biggest note for me. And he goes, if there's a guy we love at 14, we're taking him. And if, we're, if we think there's a guy at 20 that we like, uh, specifically referencing the offensive line, we'll trade down and grab him at 20 instead and get more picks. Like, I... I know a lot of it is smoke screens and what have you, and you can't really trust everything that, that he's saying in this, but there is a candidness to it for as candid as he can be that I actually really appreciate. And the Marcus Peters stuff, I like hearing that. Do I, do I fully believe him? Absolutely not. I could still <laughs> definitely see Marcus Peters, you know, Sauce Gardner, one of these guys, like one of these elite corners, falls down in the draft. They take him at 14, and all of a sudden, Marcus Peters is on the street again. He goes, well, you know, the offseason didn't break how we thought it would. We had to make a move, whatever. And that, that's always going to happen. Um, but it is nice to hear that they expect him to be back. Um, you know, you hope that he can recover uh, from an ACL. ACLs are way different than they used to be back in the day. Guys recover a lot faster and are actually can come back to full strength. And for 
an, a defense that frankly needs leaders, man. Like that, that's one of the biggest issues. I, I don't know if we didn't really reference it, but Ed Reed had an article in SI where he was interviewed and, and he came out and took shots at, at the leaders in that locker room. And I think a lot of that, it does fall on the defensive side of the football. And Marcus Peters can be one of those guys, uh, you know, always, always loud and vocal on mic'd up. And that type of stuff is very important. Um, Talent is great. Getting younger is great, but you got to have some some old dogs in that locker room too. And if Peters can come back, be a vocal leader, you know, off the field, and then still contribute at the level he was on the field, I think cap number be damned. That is a good thing for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, he did say of Peters that he's a Raven, so that you know seems to indicate a guy uh, style a, a style of player we've mentioned on this show a lot in the past of guys who feel like they've were you know made to play in a Ravens uniform and it sort of seems like they view Peters like that and as you mentioned maybe they rework his contract or you know they could cut him who knows <laughs> things change but uh the the other interesting uh thing to me out of this press conference is um you know we've mentioned it on and off I feel like for a year now but um the Lamar Jackson contract uh extension or lack thereof uh conversations uh Costa did describe the negotiations as uh, per Jeff Zarebic as quote unusual, uh, which is not always <laughs> the greatest side I would say, but uh, obviously Lamar doesn't have an agent and that seems to be kind of the focal point of the issues, at least kind of reading through the tea leaves uh, for me as an Eric DaCosta doesn't have someone to just sit down and make a contract extension with. He has to get Lamar and it seems like Lamar's kind of, you know, hasn't been at a huge rush uh, to do that. Um, I trust that it'll be get done, but it was interesting. He at least, you know, shed a little light from it. DaCosta said, at this point, I would say that we're working at Lamar's pace. He's comfortable with where we are right now. I think he feels that we have a lot of unfinished business here. He has a lot of unfinished business. He wants to win the division. He wants to win a Super Bowl. I think he and I both share that same vision. That's basically where we stand. So it certainly seems like the Ravens want to extend Lamar Jackson. Um, and for whatever reason, it hasn't happened from Lamar's end. I, I think it's probably, as I mentioned, at least how I view this, a matter of literally when you don't have an agent, you have to do the negotiating. He's a full-time NFL player who didn't have time to do that during the season. Um, but that's kind of annoying <laughs> in, a, in a big picture sense. And uh I hope they figure something out this offseason because I do not, as a Ravens fan, need this to drag um, over the season. I witnessed the Kirk Cousins situation for several years with my Washington Commanders friends, uh, and uh, I, I just don't need a similar thing with our much better franchise star quarterback let's let's figure something out but that was an interesting thing for me that emerged out of this press conference i don't i don't i don't fault you jace for that but i will remind people that the ravens are very good at negotiating but also very tough negotiators and they they know lamar jackson doesn't have an agent and you know what they probably see that as an advantage and the costa if he if he thinks we have to drag this out he'll drag it out Lamar Jackson's going to get re-signed by the Baltimore Ravens, everybody. Like, it's going to happen, okay? We can, we can all calm down. I know, I, as I say that, half of our off-season episodes are probably going to lead with Lamar Jackson contract update or whatever it is. If there's some little nugget that comes out, if he pulls a Kyler Murray that, as we record on a Monday night, unfollows or uh, scrubs his social media pages of Ravens things, just like Kyler did with the Cardinals, 
uh, Arizona Twitter is freaking out right now, and you know, kind of rightly so. But this is this league type of crap that we deal with now with some of these players. Lamar Jackson's going to get signed, and a friendly reminder: different circumstance. I know the last Ravens quarterback to play down to the final year of his contract and then get paid won a Super Bowl in 2012. So, if Lamar needs another chip on his shoulder, because we already know he's got plenty. Fine. If he wants to do that, if he wants to gamble on himself and then bring home a Lombardi and we pay a ridiculous amount of money and sit in mediocrity for seven years, but we still have that Super Bowl trophy, I'm cool. I'm good. In looking at prop bets, uh, I accidentally stumbled across Ravens 25 to 1 uh, Super Bowl odds for next season. Uh, Lamar in a contract year at 25 to 1. Uh, yeah, yes, please. But anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> I so agree with Tim. <laughs> I agree with Tim on this. And and while also agreeing, every three weeks on this show uh, over the offseason with Lamar Jackson not signed, our voice pitch is going to be like slightly higher and higher and higher about how everything is fine, everything is fine. But yeah, it, it stands to reason that he would do this in an offseason as opposed to during the season when he is his own agent, and we will leave that at that for now. <laughs> uh, and I, two other notes um, for the Ravens. One that's just so important that I had to talk about it. Uh, Mark Andrews, two touchdowns in the Pro Bowl. Fantastic. Full stop. And the other news that I want to discuss is the president of the Baltimore Ravens, Dick Cass, retiring a couple days ago after, I believe, 18 years with the team. And Sashi Brown leaving the Washington Wizards basketball franchise to take over as president of the Baltimore Ravens. Sashi Brown, a uh, fascinating name in sports circles for a long time as sort of uh when he joined the browns in 2013 as the executive vice president and then general manager he was regarded as one of those like hot hires that was going to be the next great gm and two years later he was gone and out of cleveland and had to sort of i guess rebuild uh some experience and and clout with the washington wizards and is now back in the nfl with the baltimore ravens uh, and I turn to my co-host, Jason, to start with you. Uh, thoughts on uh, Dick Cass, first of all, and then uh, Sashi Brown taking over. Yeah, so this is one of those really interesting ones because Dick Cass is one of those guys who's so, you know, important to what the organization does, but uh, literally almost never speaks to the media. And, um, you know, it's hard for us that don't interact with the team uh, to actually know what all his impact is, but... You know, as you said, he's been the president of the team for 18 years. Uh, um, they've been super successful since he's been there. He was Steve Bashotti's first hire when Bashotti uh, assumed full control uh, of the franchise uh, from the Modell family in 2004. Um, and so, you know... It, He's been incredibly important to everything the Ravens do. That said, I don't have that much to say about um, him other than I do find the Sashi Brown hire fascinating and how quickly it was made. Clearly, they talked to him uh, about this because, like, basically, as they announced Dick Cass is stepping down, uh, effective April 1, Brown's coming in. And you kind of laid it out uh, with Sashi Brown. Very interesting guy. Um, I did not know he was the president uh, of Wizards Monumental Basketball, I guess, cause the kind of company overseeing the Wizards and the Mystics and stuff, which ostensibly I am a Wizards fan, but uh, yeah, I did not know he was involved in the NBA franchise in any way. Um, but uh, um, yeah, you kind of said with the Browns, he was kind of the brain behind their tear it all down and go one and 31, um, which certainly 
mixed results. You could say in some ways it worked. They just, you know, if they picked Josh Allen instead of Baker Mayfield, who knows where the Browns would be today. But um, so mixed results on that, certainly. The 1-31 in wasn't ideal. Uh, but um, it, it, he's not going to have that kind of, you know, player authority in this role. He, he's essentially what he'll have is he's in charge of everything that isn't football with the Ravens is kind of and. You know, as again, as someone who's not exactly glued into uh, who are the hot shots of operating sports finance, I'm sure he'll do fine <laughs> in that regard. But uh, yeah, I mean, Cass was 76. You know, he wants to retire. Good on him. Been here for 18 years after a very long career. I did not realize all the things he did. He helped Jerry Jones purchase the Cowboys way back in the day. Um, he helped Rashadi acquire their, his uh, 50% stake of the Ravens in 2000. So he, he's been around and done a lot. And, uh, you know, it's good for him on retirement. He's done a lot for the organization and been one of their, you know, three most in senior executives. It's Steve Bashotti, him, and the, the Ozzie Newsome forever. And then now Eric DaCosta. So, yeah, it's kind of a surprise move, but one makes sense. And uh, the real kind of just surprise is how quickly they made the Sashi Brown hire. So they must like him or know him. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, I mean, he'll be part of that brain trust, right? Like, even though Dick Cass wasn't really a player's guy, I'm sure that they were able to bounce ideas off of him um, when needed. And they, it, it'll be Harbaugh, DaCosta, and Brown working under Bashadi to kind of be the heads of this organization. Now, Sashi Brown, it's interesting because, yeah, he's not going to have direct influence on player personnel. But as Jace so eloquently mentioned, the part of the – the teardown was acquiring draft picks to, to get talent. We talk about Eric DaCosta all the time. You know, it's, it's tickets to the lottery. It's, it's just you're getting more as many tickets as you can because the draft is a lottery. You don't really know what's going to hit. In the five years that he was part of the organization, with Sashi Brown was part of the Cleveland Browns organization, excuse me, they had five picks in 2013, six picks in 2014, and then they moved up 12, 10, and 14 picks in 2017, they averaged 12 picks per draft in those final three drafts, and then even had some more, 2018, 19, what have you, um, as as he acquired picks. Obviously, wasn't part of the organization anymore, but he was crucial in that. And he has that kind of saber metricsy thing, the analytics stuff. So, you know, blowing smoke a little bit here, but but you can kind of trace the lines of what his philosophy is how it lines up with the, what the Ravens like to do, and, and it's very similar. So you would think, you know, people freaking out that, oh, my God, this guy ruined the Browns franchise. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cleveland ruined the Browns franchise. That We all know this. We all Let me check my clock. 17-17 into the recording. Um, <laughs> I, I like that the, the, the philosophical side of it seems to fit, and it's another guy to – another, you know – relatively smart guy from from all things we've seen to bounce ideas off of for this Ravens organization yeah and we will see how that pans out now with as the second major change uh, in the top you know coaching tree and and hierarchy of this organization trying to make some maybe trying to get younger you know in a couple of different spots trying to get some new ideas in there some some fresh blood and, and hopefully uh, positive results for the team in the future uh, that's going to do it for us in terms of Ravens news. That's it. We're now just going to be doing off-season stuff for the Ravens and uh, trying to get better. Um, so before we go into the Super Bowl preview, we're going to do our random Raven now. Jace is up. So Jace, uh, 
you, te- you teased this one before we started recording as a fascinating name, so I'm very curious to hear uh, what clues you have for us. Yeah, I was, like, positive we'd done this one, but he wasn't on our list, so here here goes. Um, and uh, this I, I will say this player was inspired by uh, recent NFL events. Um, I definitely saw him and remembered, oh, yeah. Uh, number one, this player was drafted by the New England Patriots in the first round of the 2004 NFL Draft. He spent six seasons with the Pats, then three with the Browns, then three with the Saints, before arriving in Baltimore ahead of the 2016 season. He did not play in that campaign, however, after tearing his Achilles in the Ravens' third preseason game in 2016. But he triumphantly returned in 2017 for the Ravens, and... Uh, perhaps sadly, the then 37-year-old led the team with 61 receptions, was second in yards with 522, and tied for the team lead with four touchdowns. This player that... Uh, the, so, our final clue. Uh, this player who shares a first name with, a number, uh, with another former random Raven who played the same position, returned to oh, New Orleans God. in 2018 before ending his career back with the Patriots in 2019 where he retired uh, after that campaign. Am I allowed to look at our list of random Ravens? <laughs> uh, I'm going to. I'm yeah. just going to let you guys know I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I mean, knock yourself out. For that out. final clue. <laughs> Jace, what were the um, the teams again? Six seasons with the Patriots and then oh, three Six with the Browns? With the Pats, is that what it was? Three with the Browns, three with the Saints, two years with the Ravens, only played one uh, because due to injury. Back to the Saints. <laughs> In uh, 2018, first final round season pick? back with the Patriots in 2019. First round pick, number 32 overall, because this was back in the days of the Pats also winning championships. Uh, so his final pick I... in the first round in 2004. I, I mean, mean, I know we it... re- <laughs> we record just about every episode on a Monday, but this feels like a it's Monday. Why can't why can't we yeah. come up with this name? <laughs> I've been up for a very, very long time as we record this. And I we'll think get there. I have a hunch, fried. Tim. This we're going to get yeah, one. Yeah, this is the, the guy who led the 2017 Ravens in reception. So See, not long ago. <laughs> this is what happens, though, with that era. We've talked about this a number of times. Like, the pure, pure, we traded Anquan Bolden. Joe, Joe got paid mediocrity Ravens coming off the Super Bowl. Like, obviously, I know that stuff all happened a little bit earlier than that. But this is, like, prime right before the Lamar era where the Ravens were just so abjectly average that you kind of lose some of these guys in the muck. On that note, I found my random Raven for a couple weeks from now, and he is dead square in that zone too. So it is going to be relatively <laughs> difficult. I think. We, we're moving oh, slowly away from random Ravens to the, like, remember the Raven or like this guy was pretty good. For Who's the that Raven? It's Pikachu. In my search of researching this guy, I came across a Raven I had zero recollection of, uh, who I will share with you oh, guys off the air. Wait a minute. I got it. <laughs> we will uh, we will recap that at the end of the show. Uh, I'm working on it still. <laughs> Took Tim a few minutes. I will take in half an hour and uh, and let you guys know at the end of the episode. But Jason, uh, I have a bonus clue too. If you yeah, did. fantastic. Yeah, if it's his last name, then uh, fantastic random raven by Jace. And with that, now it's time to talk about the the big game, the final one, the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Bengals, Rams, Rams currently four and a half point favorites in this game. 
no juice yet for the three of us talking about this game. Maybe by the end of this preview there will be some. Let's start with the Rams offensively against the Bengals defensively. You start with the Rams passing attack, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr. versus that Bengals secondary. Not a lot of big names, maybe, but a unit that has been opportunistic uh, in this postseason with six interceptions uh, in three games for the Bengals. How are they going to handle this Rams offense? How is the Rams offense going to respond? Are the Bengals dropping eight again and, and trying to try to be patient and force some Stafford mistakes? Uh, are the Rams just going to sort of sit and be patient and take those three and four yards that Patrick Mahomes seemed unable to do in the second half of the AFC Conference Championship game? And then my last question, how does the Rams running game play in here? The Rams have averaged 3.7 yards per carry, 2.4 yards, and then 2.4 yards per carry in their three playoff games. They've struggled for large chunks of the last few seasons to generate a really stable, strong running attack. And are they going to struggle to do that in an important game? So guys, offensively for the Rams, what do you like and dislike and how are the Bengals going to have to handle them to keep the score down? Well, so for the Bengals on that side, I think it's interesting that Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard uh, have been great. Trey Hendrickson was the stereotypical ever. He got signed. And this is this is the thing that annoys me about analytics Twitter a bunch of the time. He got signed from the Saints, had a bunch of sacks, and guys go, well, if you really break down the actual numbers, the sacks he got didn't really mean anything. Sacks are sacks! They matter. They're important. And and he has been massive for the Bengals this year, obviously, proving um, the nerds wrong. Suck it, nerds, <laughs> for this one at least. And, um, and Sam Hubbard came out with a big play against Mahomes. Now, in terms of how they're going to play against uh, against Matt Stafford, I think it's going to be a similar sit back and let him make a mistake approach. That's because Matt Stafford is the best quarterback statistically, you're welcome, nerds, against the Blitz this year. He he shreds you when you try and send pressure. Um, every category, he leads every category, uh, you know, as far as you want to get into the analytics in facing pressure. He gets the ball out quick. He, he has Cooper Cup, who can just get open at a moment, moment's notice. So I think you definitely have to kind of sit back and it probably is not going to be the the eight people deep three rush the whole time because one you've already that's already on film they've seen that and two I don't think Stafford is Mahomes I think Stafford although and I I know I'm higher on him than the both of you are although he is a bit of a gambler I don't think he's going to be this weird Chiefs problem that we talked about last week where they just they feel like they have to make these plays they feel like they have to like shred shred guys and and you know do the double reverse flip shuffle 50 yard pass every time I think they'll be a little bit more coordinated if and here's the other part flipping to the Rams offense Sean McVay can stay out of his own way wonder boy offensive genius I get it and being there before as as I'm sure we'll talk about in terms of intangibles and stuff being here for the second time I think will help him um, I think he has admitted a bunch of times that you know Belichick got the best of him that first time he was a little bit skittish and a little bit too you know fancy but these offensive guys man they love and it's at the Andy Reid thing they love trying to outsmart everybody and I think that it can work and it, you can look like a brilliant brilliant person and lift that Lombardi trophy but can also be a detriment if you try and get too cute and I worry that on that offensive side of the ball for the Rams, although I do still think they have the advantage against this Bengals defense, 
it scares me that they're going to try and get too fancy and it's going to screw them up. Maybe maybe watching the Chiefs do that uh, in the last round, maybe that prevents that from the Rams, but you know, we'll have to see. The Rams' uh, rushing yards is such a, f- a fascinating um, sort of uh, snapshot for them because the running game is actually you know so important to, to McVay's offense and what they do. And it just hasn't been there. And it seems like, I mean, a big issue, I think, for them has been uh, the injury to Daryl Henderson. I do not believe he's played in the postseason, and that's been a problem for them. He looked really good uh, for them at times this year. You know, Cam Akers, it's great that he's back. He's He literally tore an Achilles over the summer, and now he's playing. And, you know, Sonny Michelle is Sonny Michelle. He has some nice moments. He has some not-so-nice moments. Um, so... You know, the running game, uh, you know, that, that drying up and that, and that's part of what killed them too against the Patriots is they couldn't in that, in that first Super Bowl they had is they couldn't run the ball really against uh, Belichick and co. Um, and, um, it's just so important to what they do now. I do think Matt Stafford, obviously a lot better than Jared Goff, so I think he might be able to overcome some of those issues. Uh, but it will be a fascinating. You mentioned uh, the, the the takeaways for the Bengals, too. Von Bell and Jesse Bates, one of the more kind of underrated safety tandems uh, in the NFL. They've been really good in these playoffs. Obviously, they make the uh, effectively you know the, the play that helps them win the game in overtime. Um last week but yeah, they've been in on, on all the, the Bengals big plays especially against like the Titans and I believe Bates had that pick of Tannehill on the first play which really set the tone for that one so they've been really good too so I think Stafford's been awesome but it will be interesting to see if they can force him into some of these mistakes because I mean we saw last uh I guess two weeks ago now against the 49ers when he tried he tried he tried to lose that game uh, on that on that deep bomb up the up the seam that should have been intercepted, uh, for, and had a nice hearty return, uh, and the guy dropped it. So you know, uh, I think Bates and and Bell are a little better uh, and will take advantage if Stafford makes plays like that. But um, I do think on the whole he's been really good uh, in these playoffs and. and um, so I still like the edge for them, but I think it will be close. Like Tim said, I love Trey Hendrickson. I, uh, we have, we, I know we all love guys who play without gloves. <laughs> There's oh, something, yes. <laughs> something Absolutely. special about that. So, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's great, but, um, I don't know if the Bengals have quite enough on defense to fully, to slow the Rams down. I, I think like cup has just shredded everyone they've played all season. You know, he has what 11, 12, hundred yard games this season. He just had two touchdowns in the NFC title game. Uh, all those huge catches he had against the bucks. He, he, he's on a special level right now. And I don't really know if they'll be able to stop him. And then Odo back about his, his first hundred yard game in uh, over a year and a half, uh, in the NFC title game first, first hundred yard game since October, 2019. So pretty good time for him to play at his best. So if they're both at the top of their game, I think, I think the Bengals will have a hard time kind of stopping that. Yeah, I, I, I do think the Bengals do the drop eight, not a ton of blitzing, try to keep things in front of them uh, and force the Rams to go on these the 15-play the drive to score a touchdown. Uh, a lot of completions to the receivers that Jace just mentioned, uh, a lot of yards to go around, but the thought of over the game, if we play off, if we play soft, if we wait, if we're patient and try to prevent a big play, eventually... Stafford will get impatient uh, and, and try to force something downfield that's not there. 
but it's, to, you know, we'll have to see if that's enough, if that's going to be enough, um, because the Bengals have their own challenges offensively, and they will have to work in one of the the biggest matchup, I guess you could say, of this game, the most talked about matchup, and that is the Bengals' offensive line against Aaron Donald and company on the Rams' defensive line. I mean, I, Burrow's going to take his hits. He's going to get <laughs> sacked. Uh, but will it matter with, with Joe Burrow? We, we've seen this story before where he gets hit over and over and over again, and he looks exactly the same after he gets up. Um, if he can keep his poise, as he has done in the past, the Rams, linebackers, and secondary will certainly offer some opportunities. The linebacking core of the Rams, outside of the, the pass rushes, has been a weakness for them. The secondary has been banged up uh, outside of Jalen Ramsey. So I turn to my co-hosts now. The Bengals offensively with their weapons going up against the Rams power and might uh, on the defensive line. How do you guys see that side of the ball going out? I mean, it, it's a great story, uh, and, and I love him to death, and it, it would mean, you know, a division rival losing and a former Raven winning, and that's Eric Weddle uh, getting a chance to come back and feature and record the most tackles for the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Now, I love Eric Weddle. Talk about no gloves. But that's not a good thing for this secondary, especially with all the weapons that the Cincinnati Bengals possess. Um, I was just kind of looking at some of these prop bets, not one of my official ones, but you think if only Jalen Ramsey is, is Jalen Ramsey is just the guy that they are going to put on Jamar Chase and say, you know, alpha on alpha, we're locking him up. T Higgins could have another big game, big receiver, a guy that might get the first touchdown or might lead the uh, lead the game in passing yard or recept- receiving yards. So you can do the combo here, passing receiving yards leader. If you think Matt Stafford's going to be better uh, and lead the the game in passing over Joe Burrow, you can do Stafford Higgins at twelve to one, or you can do Burrow Higgins at ten to one. Pretty good odds if you think Jalen Ramsey is going to dominate that matchup. Then just pick your quarterback. Um, I'm sure you could just have the the receiving yards leader, but I'm trying to boost the odds with the quarterback as well. Why not? Um, but Enough of the cute guys in, on the sides and on the outside. We got to talk about the beef up front. And this, not to spoil all of my prop bets, but a lot of mine are centered around one Aaron Donald and the mean, mean defensive line for the, uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. Now, it worries me because it's the obvious point that everybody's making. So something tells me that Aaron Donald's like going to have no impact on this game. That's just how these things work, unfortunately. But... Aaron Donald is 15 to 1 to win the Super Bowl MVP. Only three defensive players have done it since Ray Lewis back in 2000. It was Ray Lewis, Dexter Jackson from Tampa, and uh, Von Miller, who was now on the Rams, obviously, uh, when he was with the Broncos in their Super Bowl victory. And the Seahawks, right? Then they're a linebacker who everybody forgot about immediately after. Uh, oh, right. Did, was it. I don't. Yeah, did he win it? So. <laughs> it was either him or like oh Percy no. Harvin. Apologies, you, you are correct. Yep. So it's four people. It was Malcolm Smith. Yeah, that is correct. Yes. Malcolm Smith did win it as well. Nice catch there. I missed it. The ESPN font for the list of Super Bowl MVPs is like a six. So I had to, you know, <laughs> I was really squinting at that one. But yeah, okay. So four guys since 2000 in, in 22 years. So you know, a, a, not always going to happen, but if you think Aaron Donald, if you saw him on the sidelines pumping his guys up in the NFC Championship, if you saw the way that they kind of took over that game at the end and how angry that man was, 
15 to one, two sacks, a forced fumble, you know, maybe the forced fumble leads to a touchdown, something like that. He's going to get Burrow. This guy is more motivated than ever. And the offensive line for the Bengals, as we mentioned, stinks. I kind of like the Aaron Donald there at 15 to one. My other prop bet with this as well, and this is just kind of, I'll put it this way. I I'm buying the hype. I think that the the defensive line for the Rams is absolutely going to dominate this game. A lot of those guys were there for the Super Bowl last year, or the last time they were there, excuse me, especially Aaron Donald, who was one of the more motivated players in the National Football League. And the over sacks number total, it's over five sacks, is at plus 110. The under is minus 130. So you're getting great odds on the over. Life's too short to bet the under. The Rams might cover five themselves. And then you have Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard on the other side to maybe get one or two on Stafford if they're rushing four and they're able to get past, you know, 65-year-old Andrew Withworth and, and no offense, Chase, Robbie Havenstein, Ligonor's own. Uh, I just love that over pick. Five does not seem like enough when you have a Bengals offensive line up, up against Aaron Donald and, and the like. So over five sacks at plus 110. Take a flyer on Aaron Donald at 15 to 1 to win Super Bowl MVP because I just feel like he this is just this could be one of those legacy games for one of the best players to play this sport. And uh yeah, I think I'll get into it more with my pick later. I'm not gonna, you know, family show blow my load here completely, but I think that minus Joe Burrow and just that X factor that he is, the Rams could have a very, very big day here defensively. That sack number does seem just way too low to me, Tim, and I think that's a good a good prop because, you know, Aaron Donald has been quiet, I think, by his standards in these playoffs, but, I mean, at the biggest moment of the biggest game of the season, he completely destroyed the, the 49ers line, and he's been going up against some pretty decent uh, interior offensive lines. You know, the Bucks, uh they played the Bucks at multiple... Uh, Pro Bowl interior lineman uh, for the Bucks um, up front there, and um, so that that's a pretty good line. That he, so it kind of makes sense why they may have quieted him a bit. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to not just think back to that Titans game uh, when they sacked was it nine sacks of Joe Burrow, three and a half from Jeffrey Simmons, who's great. He's not as good as Aaron Donald, and it's just hard to imagine them not kind of replicating a different formula. I mean, the Bengals should have lost the Titans. The reason the Titans lost um, was because Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions at all the worst times. Um, but their, 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 their line was absolutely overwhelmed by the Titans defensive front. And I, and I do fear a similar thing could happen. I love the T Higgins props, Tim. I was also looking at those as potential options but with Ch- Chase's numbers are all basically minus money or even, but, Every, uh, like, yes, will T. Higgins have a touchdown? You're getting plus odds on, like, all of those. Like, his uh, lead the team in reception numbers, all those. And I do like that because I do think, you know, he's a bigger guy, so maybe they put Ramsey on him some. But I do think they'll try to take away Chase first and foremost because he's their, he's their A number one. It is one kind of thing, this kind of ties back to the Rams offense, that – um, is sort of up in the air with both teams. Is both starting tight ends uh, suffered knee injuries of some sort in the and uh, championship game weekends. Tyler Higby for the Rams, CJ Uzama um, for the Bengals. So they both want, I think, are going to try to play. Um, but it, that speaks to me as it's going to be a wide receiver heavy um, uh, um, 
sort of uh, Super Bowl. And I, I don't know if I just want to share this now, but my Super Bowl MVP pick, actually 15 to 1 odds, uh, is Odell Beckham Jr. Because uh, he's... Hear me out, Tim. The football gods hate me. And nothing I ever... I, we just watched 22 years of Tom Brady go to the Super Bowl 10 times, <laughs> win seven of them. The Steelers have won two Super Bowls in our lives. Uh, the Colts have won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning won another. What good has ever happened in the NFL besides in 2012? The answer is nothing. Uh, so I'm expecting the worst thing to happen and what will annoy me the most, and that is Beckham going off as the Bengals focus all their energy on Cooper Cup, and he has this huge game, and everyone's like, oh, he was justified for being a giant jerk and forcing his way out of Cleveland, which, eh, fair. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't like Odell Beckham, and that's why he's going to win Super Bowl MVP uh, for me. <laughs> There's something about that, Antonio, that I absolutely love, because we haven't seen our friend the negative Jace all season long because the injuries. He was like, yeah, you know, chalk it up. The injuries are out. You know, it's kind of a wrap season. That is that is pessimistic to the core, and, and there's something about that that warms my heart. And you know what? Your reasoning, I hated it originally. Your reasoning makes me not really hate it because, yeah, you're right. Nothing good ever happens outside of those two years. I mean, look what the Ravens just had to suffer through this season. So... I don't know. If I'm getting the same odds on Aaron Donald, I'm taking Aaron Donald. But I can see where you're coming from with OBJ. Bengals win the Super Bowl, but Odell Beckham still wins MVP because, like, K-pop fans, like, overwhelm the voting system for MVP. And and Jace has not. And Jace can have nothing. And he just has to lie on the ground and be sad about all the things that have happened. Um, Yeah, I'm going to – I like some of this. I'm going to push back on it. A little bit. Uh, for example, I love the Higgins stuff, but I also love the Jamar Chase stuff. So I, I'll include one of my uh, prop bets here, and that is Jamar Chase over eight and a half targets. It's at even money. Uh, Chase's targets over his last six games, 10, 12, 4, which was in the Browns game where he didn't even play the vast majority of it, 12, 6, and 9. Uh, I think... Jalen Ramsey is going to take him on. I think Jalen Ramsey is going to scream and shout that he can take him on one-on-one, and that is enough for him to get targets. Not necessarily catches, but not having to double, be, not having to be double-teamed, I think is going to give him a lot of opportunities, and then we'll see who wins that matchup. So I love Jamar Chase getting nine targets in this game. And I'm also a fan of, if the Bengals win this Super Bowl, it is very likely, because Jamar Chase had a gigantic game, and if they're behind in this game, they will be targeting him plenty in the fourth quarter. And, and he can get that sort of steal prop bet cover uh, in this game. As for the defensive uh, line issues uh, that the Rams are going to put on the Bengals, Tim, I don't hate your 15-1 to 1 MVP for Aaron Donald, but I just think the Bengals are going to double-team him, triple-team him the entire game. Do whatever so you want. What does that open up is opportunities for other pass rushers on the Rams. Uh, And I'm taking Von Miller at will he get a sack? Yes, he will, uh, because they will leave him completely untouched at some point while trying to triple team Aaron Donald. Or Aaron Donald will break through a double team. Burrow will see him and say, oh, no, and run out of the pocket right into Von Miller. Uh, the, the, The cost of the bet is not good. It's minus 
165, because that's how sure they are that at least one player, I think uh, Aaron Donald's is even worse. I think his sack numbers, the, the value is like 180 or 190 or something, <laughs> which uh, that's a problem. The, the fact that those numbers are so expensive. Um, so I'm taking a little bit better value. And I think Aaron Donald can help Miller get a sack in this game. So I'm definitely taking taking that one. Uh, back to the preview, though. I want to, before we get to more prop bets, cover the intangibles uh, of this game. The special teams, the, the coaching, the fact that this Super Bowl is being played in L.A. I mean, is this the worst home field advantage for a Super Bowl team ever? Uh, it's just going to be either people not... <laughs> not who are actual Rams fans. It's going to be celebrities. They don't cheer during games. They don't make noise. How much is that going to uh, impact this game? And then the kicking matchup with this game as well. Two good kickers. Uh, Evan McPherson has been the talk of the playoffs uh, after his 12 for 12 performance uh, for the Bengals. And then on the Rams side, Matt Gay had a Pro Bowl season, had an awesome year has missed two kicks uh, in this postseason and has taken uh, significantly fewer kicks as well. So what do you guys think about intangibles in this Super Bowl matchup? McPherson's... It's hard to remember a rookie being that clutch other than Justin Tucker, but... uh, uh, So he'll he'll obviously be a factor. He kind of actually plays into uh, one of the props I loved, uh, Antonio, in this game is... Well, a string of props... uh, in terms of, and this kind of ties into the intangibles, Bengals score first, plus 155. They've scored first on two of their three, they've scored on their first possession, two of their first three drives in the playoffs. Okay, and then uh, first score of the game, field goal or safety, plus 130. I love Evan McPherson at this spot. The Bengals have hit four field goals in all three of their playoff games. Zach Taylor has not exactly been the most aggressive of coaches uh, in these playoffs. Um, and I just love the first score being an Evan McPherson field goal. I, <laughs> I'm i so sure of it. And the props, there's plus money on everything. You're making money here, people. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I I think that's a huge thing. Because Matt Gay's been shaky. Obviously, you mentioned short. he was the guy short from 48 in Tampa. Not ideal. Um, so that's not great. It's a weird, I don't know what to make of Zach Taylor as a head coach. I have no idea if he's good because he won six games in his first two seasons and now he's in the Super Bowl. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Zach Taylor's a good coach. He is a Sean McVay apprentice, if that's possible to, uh, to be someone's Padawan when you're older than him. But, uh, you know, he coached under Sean McVay. So that's kind of an interesting angle. Um, I, I still feel a little more comfortable with McVeigh, even given I think we've seen his timeout issues on full display over the course of these playoffs um, and late in the season as well. Um, so that concerns me, uh, certainly. And then you mentioned the crowd. I mean, I, these Super Bowl tickets are like the most expensive of all time, so I don't think there's going to be a lot of average Joes there. Pretty much everything in the lower bowl looked like it's going for like $15,000, which is insane. So, uh, yeah, a lot of corporate partners, a lot of lawyers and quarter zips probably uh, in the lower bowl, if I had to guess. Uh, you know, your Hollywood uh, 
your Hollywood uh, studio lawyers, business lawyers, uh, lawyers for uh, just lawyer, music all the lawyers, companies. every yeah. every all firm the lawyers are represented. If at you the want Super to Bowl. find a lawyer in Los Angeles on February thirteenth, <laughs> you know where to go. It's SoFi Stadium. So, um, yeah. So I don't think the crowd's going to be good at all uh, in terms of you know Super Bowl home field. Uh, not, I don't see it's going to be pro Rams one way or the other. And I also don't think a lot of Bengals fans will get in, you know, for wanting to see their team in the Super Bowl for the first time in 33 years. A lot has changed with the Super Bowl in 33 years. I imagine tickets were a lot easier to come by back in January of 1989. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I, I, I think yeah, certainly special teams, I, at least the kicking game, favors the Bengals. And that matters big in the Super Bowl. Um but when it comes to like the coaching, I I don't know what to make of it because I just don't understand Zach Taylor really at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you're dead right with the coaching. I I don't buy into the McVeigh hype as as some pe- as much as some people do. Um, and you know, those people are obviously smarter than me a lot of the time. But I watch what he does in that NFC Championship game, and and my eyes are popping out of my head. Like, what is going on here? As I mentioned before, I think the experience of being in a second Super Bowl will help. I don't think there's anything to the crowd. I mean, the, the crowd thing, man, and this is this is the issue, right? Because the league is so big. The league is is too big to fail at this point, and they're, they're going to continue to do this. It, L.A. definitely helps, but prices are never going to be good for the common fan. How awesome would it be to have, like, um, you know, let's maybe not Rams, but, like, a team that actually has fans – and Bengals fans, like, and it's it's seventy five percent fans of these teams going at it. You know what I mean? And creating like an atmosphere that you would like to see. And it sucks that the the Super Bowl gets sterilized because of all the corporate partnerships and the ridiculous prices. And now I'm just going to be so annoyed at the fan shots. Hey, look who's here at the Super Bowl tonight, Leonardo DiCaprio. Did you hear Matthew Stafford said he wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play him in a movie? That's great, Al. It wasn't meant to be a Collinsworth, and then I remembered that NBC's doing the game, so I just tried to turn it into a Collinsworth. Here's a guy. Um, But I just can't – that part – I didn't even really think about it, Jason, until you said it, and it really upsets me. And, you know – you kind of hope and, you know, whatever your take is on social distancing and things like that. But I almost kind of hope that I get to like a big Super Bowl party. So I just don't have to deal with the lack of crowd noise because you're talking with your friends and you're watching with your friends and going back and forth. Because like watching it with just a couple people or watching just by yourself, I feel like that would be one sad because it's the Super Bowl and there's way too much food to eat by yourself. But two, <laughs> like that, that, that atmosphere, I think, is just so it sucks, really, for the biggest game of the year. Right. Um, my only other intangible here, you know, we talk about the McVeigh experience, and I don't want to tip my hand too much here, but, and I hate to say it, but Joe Burrow in big games. This man has proven that he is a big game player already. We saw him at LSU. He doesn't get phased by anything. We saw him going into Tennessee, getting hit nine times and looking at him dead in the face and winning that football game. We saw the comeback against Kansas City when beforehand, He's talking about how Arrowhead ain't loud because he played in Death Valley. Like, that type of stuff, it's going to get annoying. Trust me, it's going to get annoying. But the guy just has the stones and, and the moxie and the toughness and that clutch. Don't tell me clutch and momentum aren't things because they are things type of attitude. 
that I think he's going to be unfazed. I legitimately think he is going to be unfazed in this football game. And then you look at some other guys, Jamar Chase, part of those teams as well, unfazed in these big, massive moments. And I don't think the scene is going to be too big for him. So in terms of if I'm just going, and this is kind of a hypothetical, but if I'm just going who's phased less, McVay in his second Super Bowl or Burrow in his first, but with all the big game experience, I'm going Burrow nine times out of ten because I just think what he has proved and his FU attitude in these moments is, you know, again, I wish it was for a team in the NFC West (laughs) or, you know, the the bears or something but it, it is um it is cool to watch as a neutral i will say that i hate it i hate it tim because you're so right <laughs> and i hate these quarterbacks in this afc it's like the 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 ages of the best six quarterbacks in the afc are like equal to rogers and brady's age in the nfc and i don't like any of it because they're all going to be there forever but you're exactly right. That is the best thing about Joe Burrow is what is going to be the most important thing in this game, and that's keeping your cool, taking it one play at a time, all those corny lines, and that is his greatest strength, and his team has absolutely bought into him and that over the last half of the season, over the last third of the season. Uh, and this game is in L.A., yes, but it's a neutral site, so they can't do the, like, blast the music every time the Bengals are in the huddle, right? They still have to treat it like a regular neutral site game, and that's going to matter because that noise sure isn't coming from Leonardo DiCaprio, as Tim mentioned. Um, and I think that's going to matter. And it's it could have been an opportunity. If L.A. weren't, I guess this is the NFL, but... If the LA were if LA were less greedy, they could have had home field advantage. They could have had all their fans in in the stadium and and made that be a problem. But they will the common fan will very likely not have that opportunity, and that may be uh, a detriment to the Rams uh, in this game. Jace, do you have any other uh, intangibles, or, or do you want to just let's finish up our uh, our well, prop? So that was one thing, and I can get into my pick here, which I'm now doubting because you guys make good <laughs> points. Just one thing I didn't really think too much about is the fact that all the pressure is on the Rams. Like not only just you know we talked about probably not really a home field advantage, but they start playing it in their stadium in Stan Kroenke's uh, stadium. There, you're playing the Super Bowl at home, but more specifically. <laughs> You have to win the Super Bowl. The Rams were a team constructed to win the Super Bowl. Like, the only success is winning the Super Bowl. And that puts all the pressure on them. They made the Matthew Stafford trade. You know, they have these huge contracts for Jalen Ramsey, who they made a big trade for. Picks out for Stafford. Aaron Donald's got a huge deal. You bring in OBJ. You bring in Von Miller. Uh, Like, this team has to win versus the Bengals. Obviously, you want to win the Super Bowl, but... uh, there's not a lot of pressure, I feel like, on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl in this game. I think they're, you could argue, years ahead of schedule, certainly, where uh, people thought they'd be when they won all of four games last year. So, um, I do think that matters, uh, but I, in the end, I'm still going to pick that Rams minus four and a half. Uh, I think, just, the, the line is just, I know it's the most simplistic, but... I just can't get that Tennessee game out of my head where they just destroyed Joe Burrow and were undone by their own offense. Um, And I don't think the Rams will suffer a similar fate. And and I do think the Rams were built to win the Super Bowl. This is, uh, I mean, in terms of high-end talent, you could certainly argue no team has more of it in the entire NFL than the Rams. Um, So, so I think, I think they'll get it done. Um, 
just uh, two other, uh, I don't know if you want me to run, two other prop bets I like. Uh, one that it cracked me up, but I really actually do enjoy it. Matthew Stafford rushing TD plus 550. He's done it in two of three playoff games. Do it. Do it. <laughs> the, he's not very mobile. Uh, the rushing, any Matthew Stafford rushing stat you can get is got to get you plus odds for the most part. But I found it interesting that it's plus 550 for something he's done in two out of three playoff games. Um, and then uh, some other ones I liked. I mentioned my, my Bengal score first, but... Team that scores first and wins game, no, plus 155. I'm hitting that because I'm picking Bengals to score an opening drive field goal and lose the game. Uh, and then um, just one final one I uh, I, I enjoyed um, that made me laugh. Both teams will have exactly a one-yard touchdown, plus 400. Why not? <laughs> That's oddly specific things we love uh, to see in Super Bowl week. Uh you know, I think that's a thing that happens more often than you think. Teams get down to the one, various reasons, tackled, stopped, uh, uh, pass interference penalties, which we always see a lot of. Um, not a ton in the playoffs, but certainly um, in games. So that one made me laugh, so I like that one as well. But yeah, the Matthew Stafford rushing touchdown, that's 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 my big money uh, ticket there. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I have a few more props to go through and jace you mentioned that you can't it's an excellent point you can't get the image of burrow getting sacked over and over and over again by the tennessee titans um and the bengals winning that game maybe in a situation where they shouldn't have but that was because Tannehill threw interceptions well guess who else likes throwing interceptions uh in in, in any game that's matthew stafford um he is minus 140 to throw an interception in this game. Again, I don't love the price, but I am confident that the NFL leader in picks will have one uh, in this game. I mentioned uh, earlier in the show the Bengals' D has six picks in three games. I think they snag one here on a deep pass. They get a tip throw, something like that. And that's how they hang in this game, as they have in a bunch of other games, even though Burrow will get sacked more than five times, as Tim mentioned uh, in one of his props. And it just, it, I can see this game where you're in like late in the second quarter and the Rams have all the yards uh, and they look like they're in complete control and the score is like 7-3 or something like that or 10-7 and you're thinking, how are the Bengals in this game? What is it? You've, we've seen Burrow get creamed three times in, in 20 minutes of football and yet they're four points down, so I just... I think that's going to happen because there's going to be a few mistakes from Stafford, from McVay, doing something that's wrong, and the Bengals just hang around, hang around, hang around. Before my game pick, I have one wild card prop bet, um, and it's and, and of course it's on the Rams side of the football because I got to sprinkle in something on that side. Quarterbacks win the MVP so often in the Super Bowl, as Tim mentioned. Um, because I think it turns into a season-long award, even if they don't have the amazing 400 passing yards and four touchdowns. Who's been the MVP for the season of the Rams? It's Cooper Cup, and he has 5-1 to one odds for MVP. And if, if Cooper Cup has a 10-12 catch game, couple of touchdowns, and Stafford doesn't have like a, an amazing four-touchdown no-pick game... I think the MVP will go to Cooper Cup based on his bananas season, his ridiculous offensive numbers, 
and then he's going to have to have the, like, the 10, 12 catches and multiple touchdowns. But he can do that. He gets 10 catches a game. That's like his an average <laughs> game for Cooper Cup is 10 catches. If he pads it with a few touchdowns, I think it's possible. I think he can get MVP, uh, and that is at 5-1 to one odds. So I like that one very much. Um, but overall for this game, I'll do my game pick and then uh, turn to Tim here. I'm taking the Bengals at plus 4.5. Uh, a lot of these things seem tilted toward the Rams. The defensive line being a problem. Playing in L.A., the Rams star power, and I'm just fading it. I don't like it. It stinks uh, for a lot of the reasons that we've mentioned, and so I'm taking the Bengals plus four and a half. I am not sure the Bengals will actually win, but they will hang around and hang around. McPherson's going to drill 50-plus yard field goals. It's going to be <laughs> 10 to 9 or something like that. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then Burrow's going to make just the right number of throws. Their receivers are going to break tackles from these mediocre linebackers and, and secondary players in the, for the Rams, and then the third game is just going to go down to a field goal uh, either way. Um, if the Bengals fall behind early, they're not going to panic, as we have seen in this very postseason, and if they take a two-score lead, I, it's going to be very difficult for them to not cover uh, that four-and-a-half points. And then I also low-key believe that the NFL is fixing games to keep them close and boost ratings, and they'll do the same here. So... <laughs> Bengals plus four and a half. Tim, what are your cue the picks? X? Yeah, cue the X Files theme there. <laughs> um, uh, I will say real quickly. I I said since Ray Lewis uh, in two thousand or was it two thousand one? Four defensive players. Only four wide receivers have won Super Bowl MVP as well. But they all pull in kind of that same. 10 catches, 11 catches. Heinz Ward only had five catches, but that Super Bowl was terrible and absolutely rigged, by the way. Um, and so that's why they won that game. Um, I'll just start with my pick because, Antonio, I completely agree with literally everything you said. So I don't want to re- retread on, on everything. I think this game is – is I, I, if I am, I'm picking it money line, gun to my head money line, I'm picking Rams. But I'm not picking Rams by four and a half. If you can wait and maybe get it at five, although I don't think it's going to go to five, you probably missed your chance on that. Hit it even harder, Bengals. I just I love Burrow as a neutral, as a neutral, too much to to not take him when he's a four and a half point underdog. And somebody got in his ear with that, and he's going to come out with a little bit more of that fu mentality. Um, again, I see everything with the Rams. I think the pressure point that Jace pointed out is a is a huge thing because you're right. All the pressure is on the Rams. Will they crumble under that? They've got some dudes on their team, but they've also got some dudes that that might, that, that absolutely might. So you just don't know. Um, so I'm Bengals plus four and a half. And Joe Burrow lifts the Lombardi. Uh, it's going to be sad. Uh, a couple other props I have. I mentioned the Aaron Donald at 15 to one. To kind of go along with my pick, if you're going to pick Burrow, to, or if you're going to pick the Bengals to win, Burrow is going to be the MVP. I'm sorry. They're just going to give it to him. He could throw three picks, and they're still going <laughs> to give it to him. That's just the NFL is a quarterback league, and people are stupid. So they see the guy that has the ball all the time, and they just want to give it to him. So if, you're, if you think the Bengals are going to win, you can get Burrow at 9-4 to four to win Super Bowl MVP. Ain't a bad bet. Or you could pick Rams and Hedge because, again, if the Bengals win this game, Joe Burrow definitively 100% is the, M- is the Super Bowl MVP. So you can kind of go both ways a little bit on that one for me. Um, one that I'm, I'm not really sure which way I like, but it's, it's minus 110 both ways. Total touchdowns in the first half at two and a half. Now, the argument for it is 
two very, very good offenses who might be buzzing early and want to get off to hot starts. 14-7 going into halftime gets you that. That gets you over the two and a half. 14-7. It doesn't seem like a lot, but this is the Super Bowl. These games can be cagey. You you want to see how these guys come out. Jace mentioned it before. Zach Taylor, not the most aggressive coach by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe it's a lot of field goals, and and then everything starts lighting up in the second half. I want to pick the over. I'm going to pick the over just because I want I want that to happen because that who doesn't want point? Well, I actually like defense a lot. I'm still taking the over. Now I'm getting in my own head. I'm taking the over. Uh, and then my other fun one here, this stat uh, comes according to the Pat McAfee show gambling uh, – Pat McAfee show's gambling show called Hammer Down. They started to look at some of their prop bets and stuff as well. Out of the last 20 Super Bowls, the opening kickoff has not gone for a touchback in 18 of the last 20 years. 18 of the last 20 years, the ball has been returned um, or you know, not hit the end zone or it's in the end zone and guys are like G'd up and they try and return it. You can get no touchback at plus 130 to open the game. The yes is minus 150. So again, the odds are in your favor if you say no touchback, which has hit, and it's according to these guys. I didn't look it up with a second source. Bad journalist me. 18 of the last 20 Super Bowls. So, seems good to me. We all love kickers. Again, these guys, I think the conversion rate for Matt Gay, who kicks off for the Rams, is like 60-some percent. And McPherson's was actually lower, I believe. I don't have the exact number in front of me. In terms of uh, touchback rate on their kickoffs, it's the Super Bowl. The guy, whoever is the returner, is G'd up, going to want to make a big play immediately. I think plus 130 on that is, is pretty, pretty tasty. I like that. I like that. I, I want to see for the return one who they are. Who do we have? You do you know who the kick returners are? are I'd they, have to. I'd have to look. No. Oh, it, it, like if it was like the Jacoby Jones type, like <laughs> he's gonna want to do it. I don't care where he is in the end zone. It's the Super Bowl. He's taking that. <laughs> he's taking that kick out. Uh, and turning and running it back for a touchdown. Uh, might I can't add, have a so. hundred and eight yard return if you don't field it. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, so I would like that one. I, I do. I will be looking up uh, who the returners are for either for either team. And uh, next week we will go over these. We will, you know, we're not just going to give these picks out and then not uh, do our due diligence and and, and admit when we were wrong. Um, so we'll take our top four. I think each of us had about four solid uh, picks here, and we'll go over our results. Next week, two of us taken the Bengals, one of us taken the Ray. We almost got Jace at the end. We almost got Jace to turn. I, I don't know if I'm, ju- I'm just putting up the walls to 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 not hurt myself, um, or if this will make it worse with the Bengals do win the Super Bowl and I'm not preparing myself uh, for this possibility. It'll be interesting. Uh, one fun Bengals thing uh, to let you know they are still the Bengals is um, they're practicing at the University of Cincinnati this week. Uh, because they don't have an indoor practice facility as an NFL team that plays in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Wait, cetera, the, but, but the University of Cincinnati, the college team in the same city, <laughs> they they do? They they have one. Oh. <laughs> because they're, they're a top-level college football team. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Odell Beckham Jr. winning MVP. Jace, come on, man. Why would you even say that on Pod Like a Raven? All right. We, uh. <laughs> the last thing yet to do is to answer the random raven. I think I got it as we were recording, and it. I was excited that I thought of a name and then got really bummed out when I realized who the name was. 
Jace, can you give us those clues uh, one more time, please? <laughs> yes. So clue number one, this player was drafted by the New England Patriots in the first round of the 2004 NFL Draft. He spent six seasons with the Pats, three more with the Browns, and three with the Saints before arriving in Baltimore ahead of the 2016 season. He did not play in that 2016 campaign, however, after tearing his Achilles in a preseason game against the Detroit Lions. Clue number four. He did return for the Ravens in 2017, though, and incredibly, and perhaps sadly, the then 37-year-old led the team with 61 receptions, was second in yards with 522, and tied for the team lead in touchdowns with four. Clue number five, this player, who shares a first name with a num- with another former random Raven who played the same position, returned to New Orleans in 2018 before ending his career back with the New England Patriots uh, in the 2019 season. And then just a bonus clue, uh, with the Ravens and for much of his career, except for his first stint with the Pats, uh, this player shared a number with the legend Tory Smith. Tim, you uh, had this one earlier than me if you want to take the first stab i'll uh, i'll confirm or deny yeah sure I, I can do that and also yeah i didn't i didn't that that bonus clue might actually throw me off a little bit which is interesting but um it's funny it, it came to me and then i looked through our random raven list and i was like oh yeah this is a random raven i definitely didn't get but i think that guy played tight end which this random raven plays and then it then I, it solidified in my brain, and I was like, that's definitely it, because I remember, and this is just the empty cavern that is my brain with just stupid random knowledge facts. Going back through old random Ravens when I was looking for one for this, for this show, and seeing that same stat that this guy, this guy led the team in receptions on a particular year, and that is Ben Watson. Tight end Ben Watson. Yeah, uh, so I couldn't get it at first because when Jace mentioned receptions, you know, your mind goes to wide receivers. Uh, but that wouldn't that wouldn't be a Joe Flacco team, so it had to be a tight end. I was say Dennis back. Pitta, Todd Heap, Mark Gosh. Andrews. Come on. Uh, so that's why no names were coming to mind. I agree uh, with the Ben Watson guess. It is Ben Watson. Uh, yeah, led the 2017 Ravens with 61 receptions. Uh, his yardage total behind only Mike Wallace, who I think was probably a random Raven at some point. Yeah, definitely been will be. <laughs> if he has it. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he tied with four touchdowns with Mike Wallace. A uh, real um, it, stunning to me. I, the reason I was thinking about it is I saw, I don't know if he was talking or I just saw him in a highlight, but, like, with Tom Brady's retirement, uh, right. I saw Ben Watson. And then, like, it like just, like, came to me. I was like, wait, didn't he play for the Ravens? And I, like, looked it up, and he did. And not only did he play for the Ravens, led the team in receptions as a 37-year-old tight end coming off an Achilles injury. Jeez Louise. Yeah, speak, speaking of, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, so, it's so sad. It's so sad. I, I'm so sad to the point where I can't even remember what my follow-up was going to be. That team is 97. <laughs> Impossible. Just pain. That team should... Should have made the playoffs. It does make sense. <laughs> There's so much pain in this episode. There must be an AFC North team in the Super Bowl that's not the Ravens because there's been a lot of <laughs> a lot of pain. Um, we will be back next week to, to recap all that happened in the Super Bowl. Jace, that's a fantastic random Raven. Uh, for the listener out there, enjoy the week. Enjoy the Super Bowl as much as you can. Enjoy Dr. Dre uh, at halftime, and we'll be back next week to uh, to recap all the all the potential sadness and pain, but but also hopefully... Uh, an awesome final chapter uh, of this NFL season. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you, as always, for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.